postpartum fights are a doozy. They're um, almost in, almost inevitable just because of the stress that you're under. And so this podcast is designed to help you figure out how to manage those uncomfortable moments between you and your spouse. And I hope you enjoy. Hey mama, are you in your third trimester and starting to freak out about the postpartum period? We'll take a deep breath and welcome to the New Mom Naturopath Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kaylin Galloway, a naturopathic physician and a fellow mom who's been in your shoes. From mindset techniques to holistic strategies for your health, we'll empower you to navigate motherhood with confidence and vitality. So grab a comforting cup of tea, or who are we kidding, coffee, and let's dive in to this incredible chapter of your life. My goal of this podcast is to embrace the naturopathic principle of docere, which means to teach. I really want you to learn practical advice on how to actually improve your postpartum experience, but this does not replace the use of your own personal physician. Any and all medical advice should be done and taken through the careful and personal decisions of your medical doctor. Can I let you in on a little secret? You're probably spending way too much time preparing for labor and not enough time preparing for postpartum. Postpartum's a zillion times longer, and I want to help you with it. So check out my free training at www.thenewmomnaturopath.com. That's thenewmomnaturopath.com. It's a 40-minute training that helps you prepare for postpartum with confidence. Let's set the scene. You haven't really gotten sleep in five days. You haven't really felt heard, seen. All you've done is change a diaper watched your baby nap, wished you could nap with them, but they won't nap in their crib, so you're just sitting on the couch. You haven't had any human contact. No one has dropped off food. The dishes are piled up. You feel super stressed, and your partner comes home, and all they want to do is sit and watch TV or play PlayStation, and this results in you guys picking fights, um, namely just like blaming each other, and you all of a sudden you're in the middle of this crazy fight that you don't really know what the point is. You don't really have an end goal and you're just both really, 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 really angry. You're saying things you don't want to say. You're feeling feelings that aren't getting met and you feel really isolated and alone and you are breaking that one rule, 100 rule that you made during pregnancy that you said, I would never fight in front of my child. Believe it or not, these are situations that are going to come up in postpartum. They're mild, they're moderately inevitable. A lot of times, fighting in postpartum is a matter of just unmet needs between you and both you and your partner. And I think that I wanted to go over in this episode a little bit more in depth of how I went about managing postpartum fights and or unmet needs between me and my partner. So I have uh, three things that I go about doing. Three things. Is it three things? Probably most sort of five. We'll see. We'll see how many things I come up with because I usually go off script. Anyway, <laughs> the first thing I like to do when I'm in this situation, I don't know. The word like is, is not the right word. The first thing that I do is check myself. So I find, you know, a moment of pause to say, like, I am hurt in the situation I am very, very hurt in the situation. I am safe. I can address these feelings in a minute. And then, in order to help make peace in the situation, 
I respond with empathy. So even though in my mind, (laughs) it's really frustrating that, you know, his actions are doing X, Y, and Z. I don't want to give specific examples of my husband because that'll be kind of mean. Um, But whatever actions he's made, I, first of all, take back a, uh, I take back the curtain and I try with my darndest to step into his shoes. In order to do that, I have to clear my own uh, own baggage. So I have to let my needs be, be on the back shelf for, for two seconds because I'm going to address them later. But um, I'm also going to make sure that he understands what needs weren't met. But we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Um, Kaylin, don't go 400 steps ahead. But I look at what his actions are and what he's feeling. And I, in my best, take a deep breath and go, I am so sorry that you feel X, Y, and Z. Whatever it is he's feeling. From your conversation, I hear that you are saying, and then I summarize what I've heard him say. If I have been so irate and angry that I have not heard anything he says... I step back and pause and and take a deep breath and go, I'm really sorry. I was more in my own head. What is it that is really bothering you? Can you summarize to me what is what the exact problem was? And then when he's done summarizing that, I repeat it back to him. And my initial response to that is not, <laughs> it's not a healthy one. My initial gut response to anything he says is going to be like, well, I was da 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 and I felt this way, and I was da 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 But I stop myself. After he's done, I take a deep breath, and I go, that must be really hard, or whatever emotion goes through my mind, whatever summarizes his feeling. Am I understanding you correctly is usually the next question I ask, and that opens the door for him to go, no, that's not quite it. I feel X, Y, and Z because of da 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 And then I, this has been a very hard part of any conversation in any relationship has been, let's be solution focused. So instead of just this, you did this wrong, you've done this wrong, you did it, you did it, you're horrible, you not that, whatever it is, I usually will go, this is ideal situations here too, (laughs) I have the desire, expressed desire to say, all right, How can we avoid this in the future? Or what exact things did you need from me in the future that will let it, let this, avoid this confrontation? Um, And then if the conversation allows it, then I go, can I share my feelings and my feelings were such and such and such, you know, you know, and I'm overwhelmed because of X, Y, and Z, and I feel very isolated because of X, Y, and Z. And, you know, is there a way we can troubleshoot that? And I allow him to have the room to say, wow, that's, that's really hard. Or if he doesn't say that, I give myself permission. I turn internally and say, wow, that's, that's really hard. That is really hard that I'm going through all these things. And I don't have the opportunity to have someone tell me that to like, you know, my husband's not the person that's going to say that to me right now, maybe in the future, but right, right now I'm not getting that need met for my husband. I can express that in a way that says I feel blank because you didn't actually respond to my emotions, but, um, uh, or you didn't, you didn't empathize with my emotions, but I cannot expect him 
to have the same level of emotional intelligence as me, and I am not at his level with other things. So, like, there's not, we're all learning, we're all growing. And I say this strategy because, first of all, it opens up a dialogue of understanding people's motives and actions. So, a lot of times we don't communicate what we need in postpartum because you're tired and it's reasonable and it's rational to not have that stopgap. My mom used to call it the stopgap between the brain and the mouth. Like you just like, you kind of just say whatever's on your mind because you're grumpy because you don't have all of your needs met. And the people that you love are the ones that you treat the worst because they're right next to you and you know that they're safe. And so in these moments, it's really important to step back and think empathetically, what is going on? You know, my husband had very long days. He worked nine, 10 hours a day, and he was always on call with like a million doctors asking him a million different things, and he had a bunch of things he was responsible for that were way over his pay grade, way over his skill set sometimes, and he, all he wanted to do was come home, but he couldn't because he had made commitments to other people, and he felt like he did not want to go back on his word. And so he, you know, and then he had other reasons too, but those were like the main things going on in his life. And so when I stopped trying to find a way to be like, you did this wrong and I need help and look at me and look at me. When I stopped that in our conversations and I turned to be like, wow, that must be really hard. And there are many, many times in my conversations with my husband where I don't get hurt at all, where I don't get to spill my side, where I don't get to be like, well, you might feel that way, but I feel such and such such. Now, I do that in my head. I do that in my head a lot. But I do know that having moments where I literally just listen, you know, he, you know, starting a new job right now. He's starting, he's starting two new jobs. He's had really strong emotions over it. And it's been really a big transition for all of us including me, like there's been a lot of ways I've really battled over the last couple months with emotions. But there's been a lot of times where I just go, wow, that must be really hard. Instead of trying to go, well, but I work for two different clinics and this must be really hard for you and like I'm working hard, you know, so you should just shush. It's like, no, I want to validate your feelings. I want to validate what's going on with you. I want to validate that this is a hard season and this is not going to be easy if I just bicker and one-up you and compete and fight and go over and talk over you and interrupt you. Oh my god, I have ADHD and the interrupting is so hard. Now that I have medication for it, it's easier. There's more of a stopgap with me because like, you know, I let them finish. I let him finish and I like let him get to the end of a sentence (laughs) complete a whole thought (laughs) and then I go you know I don't really feel like that's the right interpretation of what happened that's not how I feel and that way it opens up a dialogue between us instead of him feeling just cut off like he can't talk those are kind of the ways I balance conversations with my husband um in postpartum now it's been a journey I my husband and I don't always have the healthiest communication styles that I don't think anybody does and I think that a lot of times because we're in the same industry and we're working on businesses together and we have a lot of things we're trying to juggle, you know, it's really hard to have a good conversation with your spouse, especially when you don't see them all day, especially when you feel isolated from the world. 
there's a lot going on. So I wanted to make sure I gave you guys also resources. Number one thing I would say too is that there is no shame in going to couples counseling before you need it. Like going before you need it. But it is also a very expensive thing to do. I, I Counseling in general is super expensive. And so I want to be mindful of that. But I do recommend it in, in a lot of ways. It is very hard to work through your own isms <laughs> um, without having someone coach you through them, without having someone on the outside be like, mm, I don't think you're doing that right. Or maybe we should change the way you're thinking about that. Or maybe we should change the way you're responding to that cue. And let's, let's, let's back up and protect the child that's really hurt right there. Because that emotion is from an event that you don't even recognize and, you know, it's just really helpful to have outward, outward help. Now, I always give this caveat when I say go to counseling. A therapist is like finding a partner. It's not like you're going to make your true love in one shot. But also, finding someone, you want to find a counselor that will call you on your, on, on your ish. Like, you, you don't want someone that's just be like, oh my god, kumbaya, this is going to be so nice. You're going to love each other. And we're going to find ways we can love each other. No. No. You want someone that's actually going to be like, mm, I don't know that that's the best way to go about it. Do you think you could find another way that you could have this conversation? Like, is this a, is this the best way to express that? Or is this the right time to do that? Like, do, do you? Do, do you think that's okay? You know? Because <laughs> if you don't have someone that's going to call you on it, then you're just paying for a... a Paying for event session that might lead to more trauma later on. So, the second resource I really like is called Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. I, this book has helped me through a lot of my training in naturopathic medicine. I did, I did a lot of work with patients in um, this last two years of my training, and as the student clinician in that position, people treat you very terribly <laughs> because you're not the real doctor. And a lot of times you get the grunt of all of their pain and suffering. And it's not, it's your job as a physician and a future physician as a student clinician. And I view this way now that I am actually practicing is just like, it's my job to help you. Like I can take it. You know, I could take the anger. I could take the anger. I don't take rudeness, but I can take your anger. And I want you to be angry at someone because, and sometimes, sometimes you just need someone to say, yeah, that, that's real. That's really a crappy card you've been dealt. That sucks. It's just horrible. You don't need someone to try to overwhelm you with um, positive emotions. Like, you shouldn't feel that way. You should be grateful. You should be. No, no. You need someone that can be there for you. And so I use this as a, as a clinician, but I think it's really great and helpful for just conversations in general of just being in that reflective state where I'm not automatically like going to myself and responding to anybody from where I'm at. I usually try to be like, okay, well, why are they reacting this way? Why are they being a Karen in this situation? What need are they not getting addressed? And why do they feel the need to be so angry in this situation? What about it is infuriating? And I can lay boundaries and still be empathetic towards your situation. It's like, I can be like, 
I understand that you really want me to write this prescription and I, I understand that this is what you have decided is, is the key to what's going on. I understand that you're angry with me, that I can't give you what you want. But does that mean that I don't empathize with you? Absolutely not. And I usually use that as a cue of like, okay, well, why are we tied to this prescription? Like, what about this prescription is like the key to whatever's going on? And we usually unpack it in, in the visit right then and there. Um, but I, so I, I can't say that, that empathy gets rid of boundaries, but it helps resolve the tension to saying that someone has to not feel what they're feeling, that they have to just be happy with the scenario, that they have to have the answer to whatever question is coming up, or they have to, they just have to fit in with the little Instagram quote of society. They have to be the perfect little prima donna. Like, when I, I think I'm going to close with this story, this little anecdote. When I got the diagnosis that my son had club feet, the one thing I was irritated about was, oh my God, I'm going to have to be the mom that's like, I did it. I did it. I'm going to have to be the mom that's like, I can do anything. And that was the first thing that went through my mind. It's like, I don't want to be the strong person. I don't want to be the strong mother. I don't want to have... A scenario where I have to get through it this early. I don't ever want to do that. But like, I don't want to do it the first eight weeks of their life. I don't, I, that's not what I want. I don't want to be strong. And it wasn't until a couple weeks later where I was like talking to a bunch of mentors and counselors. And I was like, oh, I don't have to be strong through this. This can be hard. I can hold this emotion of this sucks I can hate his boots. I can hate the treatment. I can hate the doctor. I didn't. I really liked his doctor. But I don't have to love it. I don't have to love the scenario. And giving this sort of cue for someone in a conversation that's really tense postpartum is super helpful in reflecting it back. Now, do you need to have your needs met? Absolutely. Is this the best time to play tit for tat? No. So I usually try to calm that voice of like that needs to be heard right now so that I can reflect their emotions first and help them pass through it first. And then when we're talking like, you know, best friends again, then I can have a conversation of saying, okay, so this is how I felt in this scenario. How can we make sure that we both get what we need right now? And then we can troubleshoot. We're not fighting. We're not mad. We're not, you know, we're hugging at that point that sort of thing. And this has been something that's been in the works. You know, did it work in postpartum always? No. Um, do Dane and I have knockout drag out fights often? No, not really. Not really. Um, we generally have like, we, we have like one or two fights a year that are just like, all right, all right. That was, that was, you know, we got it. But we've gone to the point where our communication style is very clear and open. We know exactly what each other needs and wants. And um, we're still working progress. We still got things to work on. But I feel like this has helped us to have conversations instead of having um, one-upping games, which is really easy to do. And then finally, the last thing I'll say is that as someone who has ADHD, we both have ADHD, um, you are at a time where you are lacking dopamine in this part of if you are breastfeeding or if you're in the middle of trying to get um, to delactate or stop um, producing milk, 
you're still having a decrease in dopamine. And so sometimes, sometimes as like, you know, someone with ADHD can tell you, um, you crave dopamine and you crave the fight. And so sometimes I crave the conflict between my husband. I, I don't do this as much now that I have a lot more regulatory skills, but sometimes that is like a, it's a cue. Like if I am constantly trying to argue with him, then it's a problem. You know, I keep having that fight, keep having that fight, keep having that fight. Then it's like, okay, am I after a solution or am I after feeling like I've got like a, ooh, I can, let's go, you know? So check yourself there. Are you craving dopamine? Is there another way you can get that craving met? You know, a cookie, probably healthier for your marriage, but you know, just a tip. <laughs> um, I hope this has helped you. If you have any questions, message me at on Instagram at Dr. Caitlin Galloway. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll see you Thursday. Thank you for listening to the New Mom Naturopath podcast. I really hope you learned something and grew during this episode. If you could leave me a podcast review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be so helpful for me. If you have any questions, email me at admin at the new momnaturopath.com. And as always, please join our Facebook group, The New Mom Naturopath, on Facebook. Have a wonderful day.